Welcome to the Industry Insights by SAP podcast series. My name is Josephine Monberg, and I am your host. You are now listening to the COVID-19 special edition of our show. Welcome to our podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of our podcast. We're looking at different industries and how they're being impacted by COVID-19. Today, we are taking a closer look at engineering construction and the operations industry. And to do this, I have with me in her virtual home studio, Shanaz Bilkis. So Shanaz, thank you so much for being with us today. You're welcome. And Shanaz, you are an expert and you're a part of the global industry team that covers um, engineering construction and operations. So what does your role mean? What do you do at SAP? Oh, well, you know, Thanks, thanks for asking that. So basically, I'm part of the Global Engineering Construction and Operations Industry Business Unit. I know it's a mouthful, but for short, we call it ECNL IBU. What that means is we're, we're responsible for setting the industry strategy for, for both real estate and construction industries. Uh, we do this by working with our customers to understand the future needs of the industry and marrying that with our knowledge of SAP solutions to determine you know, where to focus our industry development. Um, now, now, once we have the focus identified, we would then work with our internal development or, or external strategic partners to deliver those solutions uh, to and drive value for them. So that's that's in a nutshell what I do, what my what our team does. And where in the world are you right now? You're very far away from me. I can't yeah. Really that much. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly, I'm I'm based out of Singapore. Out of Singapore, yeah. And for those listening, curious about my location, apart from obviously being at home, I'm in Copenhagen in Denmark. Right, um, I should have asked that, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> well, I do the asking, so you're excused. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about um, your industry. What are you seeing in terms of COVID is impacting um, your industry? Okay, so I think when you talk about our industry and the impact uh, that we have to discuss, we have to kind of split that, right? We have some of the short-term and mid-term impacts that's happening, and then the longer-term impact in the industry. So let's talk about what's happening immediately. And let's talk about, um, we, we have to separate, right? The impact that the current industry is, is facing versus real estate, it, it's significantly different. So let's talk about construction construction industry first. So typically, when, when we say construction, we mean, you know, the, the companies that actually do the building. So when you walk down the road and you see big cranes and, and drilling machines and whatnot out on development sites, the guys who are then making those projects come to life, that's the those are the construction businesses that we talk about, right? And what's what's really happening with those kind of businesses is in a lot of the in a lot of the economies around the world, construction is deemed uh, a non-essential operations, right? Um, fortunately, in Singapore, it's still going on. It's considered essential for certain kinds of work, but mostly, and depending on the uh, regulation that the country has, um, the projects are basically being delayed, right? Um, but for, for the projects that are ongoing, uh, you're, you're seeing some delays specifically because of this you know, uh, social distancing and also your supply chain to, to, to an extent is being disrupted, right? So a lot of the materials in different parts of the world comes from China, a lot of the building materials. So rebars, for example, China is a 
is one of the largest supplier of rebars all over the world. And because of, you know, these supply disruptions, you don't have materials to build with. Um, and, and, and that's also one of the reasons where it's, you know, getting harder to the plant schedules. We're seeing construction in the, in the short term, especially for, for um, sites that are open, right? We see quite a bit of labor shortage for obvious reasons, because, you know, you self-isolate, you quarantine and you, you, you stay at home and you, you don't show up on sites for obvious reasons. But also it's actually worse for construction because COVID or not, it's an industry where you have shortage of skilled labor. You don't have a lot of, and you have this um, a generation of skilled labor that are on the retirement mode. They're about to retire or have already retired. So industry already faces shortage of labor. Now add to that, the scenario of COVID, um, what's happening is, you know, it's it, workers on site, you see up to 25% reduction of workers on site. And that's primarily because, you know, there are those restrictions on, on safe distancing and staggered work shifts, but more and more what's happening is it's the family members, right? If, if you know, I, I, if, I, if you're my husband or my wife wants to, wants to go and, and, and needs, it's an essential worker and has to be on site for essential work to be conducted, uh, you know, I don't feel safe being at home that you would get sick, get, you know, and, and then bring that back and it would have kind of a detrimental effect to, to the family, right? So a lot of that family pressure is what we are hearing about. Um, one of the key reasons where you have shortage of skilled manpower up to 25% less on, on site, right? And you mm. add to that the potential nationwide suspension of construction work. In, in the short term, you're really looking at kind of, you know, a pretty significant impact and legal risks, basically, uh, for, construction, for construction companies. So that's really the construction side of the business in the short term, what's happening. Now, having said that, in, in a lot of the countries that we are seeing, uh, you know, economies are gradually opening up. So work is starting to begin and they're priority, prioritizing certain kinds of construction over the others. Things will probably get back to normal. But Singapore, for example, employs a lot of foreign workers and a lot of other countries in the world does the same. Now, the problem with Singapore is, you know, uh, countries like Singapore and I think Dubai would be a similar situation is these foreign workers, who, the laborers, right, who build your city, basically, um, they are housed in workers dormitories. And these dormitories, you don't have a lot of space. It's, it's a bit of a constraint in terms of space. And I know, for, for example, in Singapore, we're having a hard time getting the numbers in control in those dormitories. So in the community, we are down into single digits, right, outside the dormitories. But within the dormitories, we're still seeing everyday numbers like seven, eight, nine hundred. And this is a problem specifically for construction, right? Because if the the laborers are sick or if the laborers are in a in a risky situation, you cannot expect them to then come on site and do the work that they have to do to keep building the things that they have to build, right? So, you know, we foresee that this labor shortage and then the issue with manpower will continue foreseeable future simply because mm. um, in a lot of the countries like Dubai, like Singapore, we rely heavily on foreign workers and they, they're housed in dormitories where things are harder to control uh, in terms of the spread of COVID. Yeah, and what are you, you're still talking to your customers and 
I, you know, from what I can hear, obviously it's a very difficult time for the industry. So what are you telling your customers? And also we talk a lot about the role of technology and all of this because COVID-19 is really accelerating digital transformation for all industries, I believe. So what are you talking to your customers about and what about the role of technology and all of this and helping perhaps um, respond or recover better? When you talk about construction, and I'll touch upon real estate in a bit, but when we talk about construction specifically, right, um, in the short term, to be honest, there's very little you can do fix the situation. You have to do some practical things and that they're doing some practical things like sending out notices to your owners or the clients. And this is critical, right? Because a construction company gets gets paid based on milestones. So if I have done, if I've completed this, this amount of work, I'm supposed to get paid by this time. But obviously this time is now a critical issue, right? Because they won't be able to hit a lot of the milestones that they had initially planned for hitting and they won't be getting paid for those milestones. So sending out that initial notice is actually going to be critical. Companies understand that that's important, but a lot of companies are actually not doing the simple thing. I know, for example, my husband is in the same industry. He's, he's part of a engineering firm. Uh, they, 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 they develop and build um, utility plants. And they themselves don't often remember to send out notices to the owners, people who they get paid by, et cetera. And these are the simple things, but very critical things that you would have to do to make sure you don't fall into legal and financial trouble. Having said that, on the long term, however, uh, the industry has a lot of room to move to a level where uh, this kind of situation will not pose such a big risk as it is doing today. So a lot of the times what, what we are really seeing is a movement of the industry toward more prefabricated kind of business processes. So uh, typically the way construction works is, um, I'll give you a stupid example, right? You, you buy cement, you mix it with water and sand, you get the rebar and then you, you know, build a form and then you pour the you know, liquid mixture into the form and, and let the thing settle and then you build on top of that. And everything is like, you know, doing, getting done on site. Electrician, your plumbers, your, your masonry work, and they're always on site doing their own thing. So you have usually quite a lot of, lot of people keeping, keeping into account safety. But where technology will come in handy is more and more as you move into more like a prefabricated kind of business model where um, a lot of this building work is actually done somewhere else and offsite, right, in a factory, in a more controlled setting. And of course, you know, for that, you know, technology will be critical for scheduling, for, for material expediting, for, for planning all that work in the logistics of it, of course, to deliver on site. Um, that will be then critical to, to move along that journey. And the other thing around technology that, you know, the companies in construction need to be kind of ready for is um, a lot of the times you have to plan before you execute. And a lot of that planning also um, doesn't happen in a way that is digital friendly, right? I don't know if you've heard of building information modeling. Um, this is not of your physical space, but like on a, on a digital device and we call it digital twins and the use of digital twins to then coordinate your your design planning process your, design process, your submittal process with with your architects and then engineers and all of that 
um, once you have it across a digital twin and you and you digitize that entire process, which by the way is extremely manual at the moment, is going to be critical for them to be ready um, in this for you know to, to to tackle this kind of situation. And then once you do your planning and and you know you you do your development design, you do your planning and, and the procurement and you digitize that that chain. In the end, you also have to pay um, people for the work done. And uh, you know for for better or for worse, this payment process in construction is actually pretty complicated. So it's not as simple as you give me an invoice and I pay you for it. But it's something called what we call progress application. So, you know, it, it's, it's like I'm a CEO and general contractor and you're, you have asked me to, you know, build this apartment building that, that you're living on to renovate it. I have employed or I have hired uh, several subcontractors to then execute on it, right? I do part of the work, but then I, I bring specialists to do some of that work and I have agreement with those specialists to to pay them once they do their job but uh, that payment is not as simple right they have to actually make some applications they have to give me a lot of documentations me the general contractor have to kind of put them together and then I have to go, go to you, you my my client saying hey hey my my dear client I have done this much of the work please pay me and you're gonna go hey Shanaz, this thing is not asked for you have the wrong job I'll pay you know and, and a big mm -hmm. one would be this wall is not supposed to be there please break it so this is not what we agreed on i mean these are stupid examples but in reality what's happening is when i give you when i ask you hey you know i've done this work please pay me you're gonna check you're gonna work with your um um you know uh, supervisors on the ground and you're basically gonna gonna come and tell me no Shanaz, I'm not gonna pay you X I'm gonna pay you X minus 20% because you have mm -hmm. not done this this and that so all these back and forth is happening on paper uh, on post by emails in multiple ways and digitizing that entire process and simplifying that will, will help ensure that people get paid for the job that they do and within a good amount of time that they do so, you know, these are the kind of things that construction companies need to really think about and be mindful of when they're then moving in their digital transformation journey. Yeah, so actually touching on digital transformation journey and what lies ahead for your industry, what would you say if you look beyond this crisis and, you know, I think what we're seeing in a lot of industries is that companies really have to reimagine their business models, re-engineer the way they yeah. run their business to be better prepared for, let's say, it doesn't necessarily have to be a second wave or another pandemic, but, you know, other crises of the scale hits. So what do you see happening or what should businesses be doing long term looking ahead into the future? How, how technology can help them prepare for this kind of situations in the future. But if you really think about the real estate, that's a different situation altogether. When, when we talk about real estate, you're really talking about commercial real estate, so people who operate malls or, or uh, people who have office spaces, lease out office spaces or um, even warehouses. And depending on, for the real estate company, depending on where your portfolio is, where your exposure is, the impact on your bottom line is quite different, right? So for example, if it's about warehouses and you see an increase in kind of online shopping and online activity, that side of the business, that portfolio of real estate properties are doing well. 
but you're still having challenges on staffing those properties, right? Have not having enough people, you have to still clean them. So they are having these resource constraints, but overall it's positive for them, right? Especially people are still doing some kind of online shopping, at least people like me are continuing to do that. <laughs> so the, they have warehouses in their portfolio are okay. And uh, the problem, however, if you think about retail, although now it's opening up, but even though it's opening up slowly, what is happening is people like, you know, people like, you know, big retailers, big, big uh, fast moving, uh, like, uh, you know, fast fashion kind of companies, they probably have clauses in their contracts that protect them from this kind of situations. What that actually means is if, if I am a retailer and I have rented this floor space from the owner of the mall, I'm just not gonna pay the rent. And the mall owner, if he doesn't get rent, his his cash flow is impact and it's as simple as that and what we're going to see happen in that in the real estate space is we're going to see ramping up of operations and how that ramp up happens is going to be critical right do you op do you let all retailers open at the same time do you phase it out but how do you do that and also because there's going to be kind of stop in getting rental uh, receipts and, and rental payments how do you manage that cash flow some uh, real estate companies are actually having salary cuts at the top level to and and having a lot of programs and and campaigns to help the small retailers deal with this situation and and it's understandable right if the retailers are not selling and they're not able to pay rent or do not want to pay rent or contractually are not obligated to pay rent, you know, the, the operators of those assets have to help them out somehow. And the similar thing is we're seeing when it comes to office space, although some, something that when it comes to office space, the, the open space will be thing of the past, which I don't think will actually happen, but we might see uh, more work from home. We might see, you know, more, more spaced out desks in office spaces. So overall, the, the uh, area of office space that they can lease out will probably remain same because, you know, these effects will kind of cancel each other. In the longer term, I think we will see a lot more people working from home and we may need to kind of rethink when we come to office space, what do we really mean about it and, and, and how do we reopen and that reopening and that planning of that will be quite critical, right? So if you have a uh, reopen your offices very quickly and you have a mass of people trying to get to the 50th floor and you have overcrowding and, and your lifts are jammed, uh, that's not going to be good, right? So you have to figure out a way to slowly uh, manage that that situation. And, and a lot of the companies um, that we've talked with are going into that recovery planning kind of more planning to open up right because um, that's what we're seeing across the globe in some of the some of the real estate companies uh, that we've mm. talked with yeah and now more long term for and thank you for touching on real estate too because it's important of course to right. to talk about that industry as or, or that piece of it as well but very long term because you just touched on right we're moving towards recovery right now countries are starting to open up. I can say, I told you all I'm in Denmark and the EU is, has a plan for opening uh, travel amongst the countries in the EU, but what's what is like the long-term impact on those industries? Like how is it, how do you think it'll fundamentally change the business models if this crisis will? Right, that's actually a pretty good question, right? Right now, if you look at our customers and you know, um, what majority of the what we do with our real estate customers we're really strong 
uh, with real estate customers who are in the leasing business, which basically, you know, mall operators have uh, have storefront to to lease to retailers or even office spaces that are being leased out or warehouses that are being leased out, whether it's a short or long term lease doesn't really matter. So that's a good question in the sense that, you know, if if leasing were your major source of revenue and you come into a situation like this where you actually stop getting paid, you know, stop earning your lease, you know, what are you going to do? And I think there is there's two major kind of buckets of work that has to happen, right? One bucket is, of course, expanding into multiple business models, right? Different different revenue streams, basically. You have to think of how you can open up different sources of revenue. And it's interesting that you asked that because um, very recently I was having a conversation with a real estate developer and a pretty big one in Singapore. I can't name names. But in fact, what they're doing is they're building a smart estate. What a smart estate does is, of course, you know, you, it's, it's going to be a commercial space where you where there's some retail, so some some restaurants and F&B areas, which is suffering greatly, by the way, right now. But you will have retail space. You will have some some for F&B, some for some for uh, shopping. And you will probably have some some office spaces in that intelligent estate as well. But they're not stopping there. What they're trying to do is they're trying to branch out into how do you monetize your um uh you know autonomous vehicle in your in your um estate how do you monetize the 5g technology into and incorporate that in your in into your revenue streams um how do you then bring a lot of your smaller retailers online how do you kind of shift your portfolio to make sure you have a balance of both, say, kind of warehouse, industrial, real estate kind of technology uh, portfolio uh, or, or real estate assets as well as commercial. Right. And a lot of the times, um, you know, uh, companies, real estate companies are also working hand in hand with their tenants to to branch out into these alternative sources of revenue. So one mm. big chunk of work would be figuring out alternative sources of revenue and leasing will remain a major part of it for the foreseeable future but longer term as things more and more more and more move online when retail moves more and more online and it's already kind of prevalent uh, shifting then your portfolio balancing that out to make sure you have the kind of assets that will help you absorb some of the shock of this kind of pandemic is going to be quite quite critical right so that's really one side of the equation when you know what will fundamentally change um probably in the in the real estate industry going forward and the other side of the house is your asset management right how you manage your assets so for example if you have a building and you have to you know do works on them and you have to uh, maintain certain things you maintain your hvac systems your air conditioning your plumbing systems uh, you need to be able to fix them before something wrong happens. So uh, being part of that asset intelligence network and, and building around your digital twin and being able to remotely uh, maintain your buildings and then you, which comes to having smart appliances, smart um, fixtures built into your buildings is going to be the industry will probably move um, going forward. I mean, it doesn't doesn't mean that the need for 
physical maintenance will go away. You know, sometimes some, you know, if the thing breaks down, someone still has to physically replace it or fix it. But I think if you have a uh, smart technology with, with IoT, sensor technology, with, uh, with a lot of drone technology that we're seeing, where, for example, the drone can scan the facade of the building and identify cracks um, before they become uh, uh, you know, problematic. So this kind of technology where you don't have to have someone walking around the building and walking on the roof to kind of identify you know, those, uh, those faults in the building, uh, that's that's what we see in the really long term. The real estate um, developers will certainly move towards. Mm. So many interesting things that lie ahead. This is certainly a very, very, very difficult time, but also an int- an exciting time in the sense that there are so many changes that are are happening. So, Shinas, thank you so much for coming on the show and making us so much smarter about what's going on in your industry and. To everybody who listened to this episode, thank you so much for listening in. Hopefully, I will see you on the next episode. Bye, everyone, and stay healthy. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. Please subscribe to our channel, Industry Insights by SAP, at OpenSAP, Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. To learn more about what SAP is doing to help you cope in COVID-19, you can go to sap.com about global health safety and find free access to select SAP software, tools to support your business, and much more. Stay safe, everyone.